y'all. Welcome back to Love and Grit. I'm Laia. I'm Justin. And I'm Rachel. And hopefully, like us, you're still at home. And while we are all regrouping, reassessing, and awaiting our return outside, Love and Grit is here for you to share stories and to get you ready for what lies ahead. So this week, we continue to give you the good news with Anya Lachelle from Philly Live on NBC10. We also check in with Philly's favorite singing couple, Kindred the Family Soul, and see how they are navigating this journey with their six kids at home. And then we check in with another one of Philly's favorite couples, chef and owners Richard Landau and Kate Jacoby, to make sure that we stay in the vegetable game during these uncertain binging times. And now it's time for our lightning round. So let's do our favorite Philly breweries. There's so many. I mean, the craft beer scene has really exploded in Philadelphia and they're delivering. What? That's pretty cool because Philadelphia in the countryside has more than 75 breweries. So I would definitely go with Love City Brewing Company. They actually, I believe, approached their um, second anniversary. They have an amazing menu in addition to cocktails. You have a lot of options. And then now that the season's changing, you can definitely get your pick if you're looking for a delivery service. Yeah. Like, yeah. I know one that has been around for a while, and that's the Yards Brewery. They're in Spring Garden now. They moved to Spring Garden Street. They have this beautiful new brewery. And if you haven't eaten there, we need a dinner date when this is all over. They got food, oh It's so good too. And it's cool because a lot of the delivery services for um, PA beer, they have packages. There might be like, okay, you know what? You want pizza and beer, or there's a lot of different- Oh no, who would want pizza and beer? That's weird. (laughs) My new favorite is the Larimer. Yo, before I moved to Philly, like, I don't know, 20-something years ago, I just thought there was Heineken and Corona. I, I just, it, my mind has expanded so much since, since moving to this place. It's crazy. But everything has expanded. That's yeah. what's amazing. It's not yeah. just, okay, hey, I didn't know about this. It's constantly growing. Things are constantly changing. And then you have things not only in Philadelphia, but the countryside as well. So there's so many different options. Available. Yeah, there's really, like, great craft brew tours that people should check out when we're allowed out of our houses. How about that? Well, now that we've got to our drinks, let's get to some food, shall we? Rich Landau and his better half, Kate Jacoby, have been making sure Philly eats their vegetables for years via their restaurants, Veg and B Street. And let's keep it real. It hasn't been easy for us to do the same at home. So we called them up and asked the professionals for their help. Richard, Kate, Help us, please. Aww. Hi, guys. Hi, Rich and Kate. Welcome. Hey. Thanks so much for having us. So I got to ask you guys, of course, you are renowned owners, chefs, but I wanted to know just how often you've even been in the kitchen this week. Has it been as intense for you as it's been for us? Uh, let me just say that um, I've been doing all of the time doing the dishes. <laughs> Rich is like such a fast chef. He will cook the most elaborate, delicious meals in like maybe 10 to 15 minutes max. Like he's never in there for too long. And then I spend like three hours doing dishes every single day. <laughs> don't seem like equal work distribution though. No. <laughs> but Rich, I just need to know what are these masterpieces that you're making in 15 minutes though? Cause that sounds crazy. I like themes, you know? So one night we'll do Indian food and I, I like set out, I love ordering Indian food, but if you ever get it and it's just like, you're looking at like these deli cups and you're like, I just spent 70 bucks for this. And sometimes it's a little off, sometimes a little oily. You know, there's some good places out there, but there's, we've had some bad experience. So I'm like, I'm going to figure this out. And I, I really got really deep into Indian cooking. And so I'll make like three or four curries and some basmati rice. And, you know, um, I really enjoy it. And then we'll, one night we'll do Moroccan, one night we'll do Italian, one night we'll do like a classic French thing, one night we'll do a picnic theme. I, it's just all about the theme. And then I just run with it. 
He didn't say once a week. He said one night. Oh, every night. Yeah. Every other day. It's like, okay, this is repeat for us. Does your son (laughs) even appreciate this, what he's getting? He's getting better and better at it. Yeah. How old is your son? He's 12. I think he thinks that everyone does this at home. I think he just thinks this is the way life is. Well, we raised him vegetarian and, you know, we always, it's like religion almost. We, we let him kind of make his own choice after a while and he's 100% into it. He believes so strongly in it. Yeah, I would be too if you guys were the ones cooking. (laughs) What is your your go-to protein? We do a lot of tofu. I love tofu. You know, when I first started cooking um, back in like the the mid-90s, I had my little cafe and everybody wanted tofu. And I'm like, I'm not touching this stuff. It's disgusting. Like most other people, you probably had it not prepared too well by someone who didn't know what they were doing. I just made it my life's work to really make tofu delicious. So now it's my favorite. I eat it every single day of my life. That's my favorite. Uh, We do some tempeh. Once in a while, we'll do seitan, but it's I'm not huge in the seitan. And then we'll, one night, we'll have some fun. We'll do veggie burgers. We'll make like vegan bacon cheeseburgers. And it's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Y'all fun. are classic vegetarians, like no beyond, no impossible. We stick in what, what we know. Yeah, real food. Yeah, I think sometimes it's about convenience. I think, you know, when restaurants are operating, we definitely would have like, you know, different kinds of frozen veggie products. But yeah, I mean, right now, like we're being as creative as we can with what we've got. So tofu has been a big thing. A lot of beans. And things are so versatile, especially when you change the ethnic direction. You know, like if we did Indian the other night, there was tofu in the sog and there was a, a chana masala with our chickpeas. And then last night we did Greek and then there was hummus and we're packing up the chickpeas to use again today for something different. So, you know, we're just trying to reinvent every day. Are you experimenting with any new recipes? Well, we're actually starting our fifth cookbook. So yeah, there's going to be a lot of experimenting going on. What's um, the theme of the cookbook? It's going to be another veg book and it's going to be centered around Around. You know, veg, we have this dirt list. So it's like these. The vegetables. dirt list is my favorite. You know that. It's where it's at, man. It's at the moment. It's like really what's growing at the farm that they picked yesterday that's in our kitchen today. And we're kind of going to run with that theme all through the seasons. We're going to kind of make pretend like we have this farmhouse. And the beauty of it is, and this is something like I fell in love with as a kid, this beautiful process of taking vegetables right from your garden into your kitchen. And that's what made me fall in love with food in the first place, taking tomatoes from your garden, making tomato sauce, making a beautiful fresh salad with freshly picked vegetables. You know, I asked my dad where meat came from as a kid. And once he told me that, I was like, wait a second, that's, that's a completely different process so that I don't know if most people could do that, but mm-hmm. you can go to your garden. So it, the theme is all about going to that garden, whether your garden is um, a rooftop herb garden or an actual farm, or maybe your garden is a local farmer's market, taking those vegetables and finding really great ways to use them. It's an interesting challenge now, Rich. Do you have any advice for people who want to keep it fresh, but like, you know, we're in the house, so. I have some ideas. Yes, Kate, bring it, bring it, bring it. So one of the things, you know, Rich was saying, we've been kind of putting forth this vision of a farm for us, a garden, something. And so, you know, we have a little teeny backyard and then we have a small little balcony off our kitchen, which we're like so thankful that we have. So immediately I started composting and it's been like growing and growing and growing. So now we've moved from the balcony to the backyard. And so I'm hoping that that kind of happens. Meanwhile, all of our vegetable trimmings that aren't going into compost that we can regrow, we've been doing that too. So we're regrowing 
regrowing our romaine. We're regrowing scallions. Uh, we've got little carrot tops that are going to pop up so we can eat the carrot greens. Turnips, our turnip tops, they're growing beautifully with greens. So it's been interesting to do what you can at home. We also planted a whole bunch of herbs early on. So we've been kind of like slowly starting to move them out. You use your space the best you can. And it just kind of like livens up what you're doing in your home kitchen. If that's the extent of your little garden throughout the spring into the summer into the fall. Another thing that we just did was to join a CSA for the first time. With the restaurants, we never needed it because we had food all the time. <laughs> but now uh, we find ourselves wanting access to beautiful, fresh local produce. So Lancaster Farm Fresh, they do the most beautiful CSA. You can get a small, medium, or large with veggies, access to fruits. They do all of the farming. They coordinate between lots of farmers in Lancaster, and then they deliver to different pickup points, and they bring in the most beautiful, fresh produce. So we're looking forward to that. To me, when I first started cooking, and I was going to not cook with any animal products, you have to, within this little box of limitations, you have to make sure your creativity is at its peak. So we're kind of facing those challenges now. Like right now, most of us are doing online grocery delivery. You have to wait a week before it gets here. And then half the stuff you ordered isn't there. And then half of the half of the stuff that came, they took all these liberties with the substitutions, right? So now what you have to look at it and say, well, what am I going to do? You know, if you get a bunch of Swiss chard that maybe it's not going to last another day or two, you're eating Swiss chard that night. And I think you got to really roll with that. And then you got to say, well, what kind of direction do I want to take that in? You know, let's do some classic Italian. Let's cook the Swiss chard down with lots of garlic and lemon and then do maybe a little side of pasta or polenta or something and some braised beans. So it's all about making sure you don't waste any food until things kind of self-correct, which I think they will. We have to be really creative and we have to not waste anything because that would be tragic right now. Let's talk about the future because the restaurant industry is in peril. I mean, bad peril. what is it like for you guys? It's a bittersweet thing. I mean, to me, the restaurant business itself was kind of in a bubble before all this happened that something needed to change. The public demand for over-the-top experiences was growing. Like you couldn't just do a tasting menu anymore. You had to do a tasting menu with all these like meet and greets with the chef. And you know, now there's a flower pairing. (laughs) Now there's a beverage pairing and everything was getting extreme. Yet the infrastructure of the restaurant business was becoming more and more of a challenge. The workforce was diminishing. Expenses were going through the roof. So in one sense, we are taking this moment to kind of self-evaluate. Maybe say it's time to get back to our roots. Maybe we just need to be some humble cooks feeding our community at this point. Mm. So a little self-correction is kind of good. And you have to excuse my over-optimism here because I'm a a silver linings kind of guy. But by the same token, it's incredibly sad to go into the restaurants and check in and they're completely empty. And it's like going to like an abandoned amusement park or something. And you feel what was once there and you're sad that it's not there, but you also know it's going to come back. And, and that's what we're waiting for. Kate, what are you thinking about? Well, you know, Rich and I both go back and forth talking every single day, trying to stay informed, thinking, you know, what have we learned and what could we try to predict? We have tried to be mindful of our immediate restaurant families. You know, we have three restaurants that are on pause and trying to reach out and stay connected to our staff. We've done a couple food drives where we've reached out to our network in Philly and said, who wants to come by? We're going to get some food together and do like food baskets for you. So arranging that 
we can't do it every day, but we're trying to, to make a little bit of an impact and let people know that like, hey, we're, we're still in this together. Um, looking a little bit further, we're just trying to stay connected to other restaurant owners and looking and seeing what we're doing in the city and then in the state and then on a national level, trying to understand like what help is available, what help will actually help versus what is just gonna set you up for something that's gonna bite you in a couple months. The hardest thing is not knowing the end, not knowing the time frame. Rich and I have tried to be as, you know, just thoughtful as possible so that we'll be ready to open as soon as they give that green light. I think what we're recognizing now, the longer this, you know, goes on, when they do have that green light, it's not really gonna be like green, you know, it's gonna be like- Yellow. Hey, yeah. <laughs> that's a little green, Absolutely. let's go. So we wanna have ideas and, you know, we're trying to have a positive spin on it, talking about what that's gonna look like. And I think, you know, Rich says being humble cooks, that's been our message with our staff. Our layout wasn't such that we could just start doing takeout meals. You know, our, our rent's kind of high. Talking to our landlords, figuring about like, well, can we do picnic baskets to go? What is it going to look like in the veg brand? You know, because we want to stay busy. I mean, we got energy right now. And, and as soon as it feels safe that we can get back out there and do it, we want to do that. Also with the cookbook, and I've been getting behind the camera and trying to film a little bit of his Good. cooking projects, figuring about ways that we can just stay connected to our guests because we've been in business a long time. I joined up with Rich in 2001 and he was doing you know his thing since 94. We love our Philadelphia restaurant community. Uh, we love our DC restaurant community, back to Willow Grove. I mean, so many people that we miss and we're just eager to get back out and cook them some good veggies. On my own Instagram, at uh, Chef Richard Landa, I've just been trying to put up something each day that's just talking about food and giving people ideas and, and just starting a food conversation. I still don't know what I'm doing. I really don't understand how- You I don't know what you're work. doing. Both of you are James Beard nominated <laughs> chefs. Yeah, well, I mean, I not... on Instagram. I can cook, but Instagram- Okay, Instagram's there. <laughs> but we're, um, we're gonna start to maybe fine tune that message a little bit and just be there for people. Cause I, I mean, I take for granted what we do. I just, I kind of cook and I love it, but I, I get that there's things in there that can help people at home. Cause here's the thing, Richard, a lot of people are sitting home and you know, people are at different levels of frustration, moderation, whatever, but a lot of people are on reset and a lot of people are like, okay, I need to, when we do come out of this, I need to be better. So I am looking to people like you and Kate, like, okay, what can I do? I'm trying to be a better vegetarian. No, I hear you. It's, you're right, because this was our job before and before we spoke to people through the food and we gave them ideas and we wrote the cookbooks. But now, I mean, what else are we doing? We should be out there giving people ideas and all that. So uh, yeah, it's, it's inspiring. Thanks for taking some time to talk to us, guys. Thanks for talking to us. It's so nice just to chat and, and you know, we love what you're doing too, just keeping everybody engaged because like Philly is such a great community and we're gritty. So, <laughs> you know, thank you for doing this. Up next, it's time for some good news. Yep, it's time for some Anya Lachelle in our life from NBC 10's Philly Live. She's got the good news and we need it. I have to tell you a story about these twin boxers from Philly. You will fall in love with them. Their names are Stephen and Daniel Grandy. They're 11 years old. They've been boxing since they were five. It's something that runs, it's a hobby that runs in their family. And they are so talented. Their hand-eye coordination is crazy. They went viral multiple times. I mean, they were featured on Little Big Shots. Sports Center reposted them and got over 2 million views. But the important thing to note about their story is that their father always instilled that the true purpose of boxing goes beyond the gloves. And so he always taught them to be humble and to be disciplined and to be productive young men in society. I mean, they even say thank you and you're welcome in unison. Like, it's the cutest thing <laughs> so to watch. Sweet. And so if your heart doesn't melt over these boys, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I love that 
and they're carrying on a tradition because for those who don't know, Philly is a big boxing town. We are the home of Joe Frazier. We are the home of B-Hop. So that's just great. It's great. I love the story too about people making masks from 3D printers for the medical professionals who need them. Yeah, here we have this engineering company who's still open and operating right now because they're deemed an essential business. And all this staff are using every spare second of their time that they can to step away and make these masks. I think they cost less than a dollar to make and they're making them on 3D printers and using old transparency film that act as sort of like the visors to these face shields. If you have old transparency film, which were used for like those overhead projectors. So if you're a teacher or, or you know, have the, yeah, have old unused supplies, you can donate that to them as well. You had another <laughs> great story. Um, and to me, it really spoke to the digital divide. There were, I believe, laptops that were distributed to folks. Yeah, there's a small IT company based in Delaware called Nerd It Now. They've been, for the past five years, in Delaware donating 100 laptops every year to, like you said, break up that digital divide. And so this was their first giveaway in Philly. They gave out 100 Chromebooks to healthcare workers who were continuing their education through the National Healthcare Union. I was surprised to hear this. Most of those healthcare workers who already are either battling this on the front lines uh, or some are trying to get into the healthcare field, they were doing their homework on their cell phones meaning they couldn't even take their final exams because they didn't have the type of software needed on their phones to do it. And so them donating these laptops, which they all get to keep, by the way, was a huge, huge help for them. I mean, I can't imagine trying to do homework on a cell phone. I don't think anyone should be forced to to continue their education that way. That's a dope story. Thank you for sharing, Alec. Oh, yeah, that's dope. How are you doing this week? No, I mean, it's just like every day finding these stories to encourage people or enlighten people or share more resources. It just reminds me how blessed we still are, even in the midst of the unknown. And it's a nice reminder to just be in the moment as well. Like, you know, whatever you can just take that time to appreciate or help someone else out or provide support or pick up the phone or give a donation. Like that's what helps. I feel like um, us all get through everything together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Anya. Thank you guys. Have a good one. Look forward to the next podcast. (laughs) We'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you. So much love to Anya, and don't forget, she'll return every week to bring us that good news. When old people try to use new tech. (laughs) Kendra the Family Soul has been singing about maintaining good love and family for longer than they want me to say. Their debut single, Far Away, put them on the map, and five albums later, they are the most touring couple there is, launching them into a huge Walmart campaign and so much more. Now, with six kids in the house, at the same time, we look to them as our heroes and ask them how. (laughs) (laughs) We have no idea. We have no idea what we're doing. How's it going? Well, it's Uh, kind of a day-to-day thing. To be 100% honest, like the first day, really the first two weeks was a little bit like a wonderful break. We were Mm -hmm. all like, yes, we're together. Let's talk, let's sing songs, let's watch movies. Yes. It was fabulous. Art projects. Art projects, everything. (laughs) Then I I was super excited because I'm a bit of a book nut. So I was like, yes, I'll be able to teach my children 
And then two weeks in, we were like, okay, wait a minute. We're waking up at 1230. No, like you waking up at 1230. <laughs> wait, I, I know you had a moment. What was the moment when you were like, oh, come on? I think the moment where I was like, oh, come on, was when my kids were starting to act like I was waking them up at 6 a.m. and it was like 1145. Yeah. And I was like, y'all... But they don't go to bed until... I said, like, y'all acting like it's the crack of dawn. First of all, break down the racial injustice, the ages of your six. 10 and 20 are the sons and the girls in between 17, 15. And then we have the twins who are 12 years old. How many fights are there, Jack? Uh, 79,000. I mean, that's the comedy answer. But the truth is, on average, there's usually about three to four tiny bicker sessions. When do you guys get brought into the mix? Is it mom, da 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 da? Or do you hear it and you're like, yo, what's going on? Well, you're Both. always in the mix. Yeah, yeah you're always you always in the mix. hear it. So you always hear it. Just, when you uh, hear it, you have to decide based on the tone mm-hmm. of the argument if you're going to go ahead and, and, and step, and step in. in. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes it's like I'm gonna let him ride it out, and sometimes it's like, oh God, if I don't jump in the middle of that, they'll be talking about this the when they're forty. <laughs> Do they ever accuse you of like, mom, you always take his side? I mean, none of it's true, but it depends on what kid says it at the time. Yeah. Sometimes they think it's the youngest. Sometimes they think it's the oldest. Sometimes they think it's the girls. Sometimes it's like, oh, the girls get away with everything. Yeah, I think people think more of who's getting picked on the most than they think of who's their favorite. How are y'all keeping y'all sanity as a couple? We got a pretty decent-sized house, so we do still get a little space from one another, you know what I mean? And so that's a beautiful thing. We have to set boundaries before this ever happened. Yeah. So we've we've had to talk to the kids when I say, listen... I need a minute. It's like, that's a conversation that was already in place before this happened. So we just kind of took what was already in place and just continued to do that. Boundaries are all just have to always be set. So if you didn't have any before, this would be a good time to start learning how to speak those things to the people around you. Even at one point I had a meltdown where I just like went off on everybody. And then I text everyone afterwards and I said, listen, guys, this has gotten to me a little more than I thought. I need a minute to decompress. Mm -hmm. So it's the communication aspect that has to be there no matter what. Our biggest Mm -hmm. tip is be clear about what your needs are in that moment. Like even our kids are doing that too. What fun are you having? Oh, last night we had charades battle royale after dinner. (laughs) We've gotten heavily into TikTok. You gotta love the inboxes during Corona. So it's like quarantine, inboxes about all of the things you shouldn't do. All of the the conspiracies and the delete that off your phone and at five o'clock the planets are going to collide and all of the electricity (laughs) is going to go out so, yeah, we've gotten a bunch of those, too. But the big fun part of it is just being together. Like, yeah. we being goofy and getting an opportunity to just talk and laugh, watch movies. Trying new recipes. Do you focus on a large breakfast, brunch, lunch? Like, wh- wh- how do you do that? How do you navigate Large that? dinner. Dinner yeah, time is really dinner. the time where we all circle the table. We're all together. Okay. Yes. Cereal for breakfast. Everybody out on their own for breakfast. You hear yeah, that, Ryan? Can. I'm going to tell my son that I don't have to make him oatmeal anymore. I don't need to. Well, how old is your no, son? you got a baby. He's three. He's three. Oh, yeah, you still got to make that oatmeal, Rachel. <laughs> your grocery bill. Ooh. Yeah. Have you seen a huge difference? For a family of our size, like mm-hmm. considering that we are all in and that we're not spending as much money eating out and everybody's mm-hmm. allowances. And yes, of course, it's expensive for a family of our size, but I think it's probably averaging out a little bit better than what we 
really assume we're saving a bit because we're saving money but we're spending money we are running through groceries a little bit quicker than we would typically do that even though as a big family we always deal with that but we did sit down and have a conversation with the kids you're like Mm -hmm. look guys we're not quite on rations but we on rations like listen you're bored you're not hungry you're not you're bored you're not hungry oh that's such a good you're bored you're not hungry see that's a mother of a three-year-old right there (laughs) <laughs> she, the mom came out of her just then. She was. You don't need an old meal, boy. I'm tired. He's three. <laughs> oh, Rachel, was that you? You got to start it early. <laughs> you guys served at this, the Grand Marshals doing the Juneteenth parade. We were there. Yes, yes. we were. Yes. I saw you on the convertible. Baby, yes. we was Grand Marshaling, honey. We was in our full Ankara regalia, honey. We were yes. very, very, we were That's doing all of our coming to America's dear. <laughs> Talk about what Juneteenth is for people who don't know. Oh, yeah. Juneteenth was the end of the celebration of slavery being over here. Well, slavery was over, but wasn't really over. Mm -hmm. Basically, in the state of Texas, it continued for quite some time. And Juneteenth really is the actual end date of slavery. The last two years, right? Like to dissolve slavery completely. Mm -hmm. And that's what that day is. And so black people in that area locally were the ones that consistently celebrated for many, many years. But then it became a national celebration over time. One of the great things that Philadelphia can be proud of is that last year marked the largest Juneteenth parade to exist in the nation since it became a nationally recognized holiday. But much like Kwanzaa and a lot of other African traditions and celebrations and things like that, it takes a little bit of time. African-American. African-American takes time to catch on. Yeah, because we have to be really clear that, you know, African-American culture is very distinct. And obviously we have a, a very specific experience around our survival of slavery and the culture that evolved from that. And it's a culture that has also influenced the world. So as African-Americans, we really hold these things close to our hearts. And that and we expect to have that moment with each other where we have that moment where we can be a community all together nationwide. And those opportunities often are few and far between. And so something like Juneteenth, even aside from its historical significance, has a cultural significance that is even bigger because it allows us to have a moment in which we really come together as a community and celebrate our strength and our resilience and the beauty of the culture that spawned from such a terrible, terrible act. Mm. And now Juneteenth's going to be a lot different this year. But no, we regardless, regardless happen, but we know 365 days, they'll be making sure that people, you know, know about Juneteenth and it's relevant every day. You touched on a great thing there. Everybody's lives have changed and we're trying mm-hmm. to figure out how we can enjoy the things that bring us, you know, happiness and joy where we can still comply and feel like we're being healthy and we're thinking about others. And that's really where the challenge of all of this is, is just figuring out what is this normal going to look like and how do we thrive in it? Every day it changes and we're just trying to be as malleable as we can. Open and receptive. That's right. We're, we're caring for one another. We have the hope that it will be better because we know we've experienced bad times once before and it goes back to love and grit. It's in our DNA. Were you supposed to be like being together with the podcast or was it always going to be something that y'all will be doing from different places? So this whole thing has kind of interrupted the the flow the show and the flow but y'all are working with it we definitely had to take a pivot you know it went from us being in the studio together and seeing that we had amazing chemistry then going on site to different locations to you know explore our city and you know find hidden gems 
all of it to then adapting like wait a minute yeah. loving grit it's just more grit when before we were highlighting a lot of love the love mm. so now let's see let me just say that you guys have fabulous chemistry and yes. so even in this it. in this environment we can feel that congratulations oh, thank you so I do y'all if nobody told you today love Great! <laughs> you still have something to remember us by. Y'all was perfection. <laughs> well, another show, another day, y'all. Another week. Another week I'm happy to be single and childless. Oh, hey, stop I'm it. I'm with you, Justin. Hey! Well, it's a, for me, it's another week that I'm happy to see you guys. I miss you guys. I know. Are we ever going to see each other in person again? It will yeah. be soon. I believe that. And you guys have to know this is also a nice little break for me where I get to really shut the door and like, look, Ryan, mommy is talking to her friends right now. <laughs> yes, but Ryan's ear is to the door. And as soon as that recording light goes off, he's going to be like, mommy! <laughs> Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thank you.